Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox. Welcome in, everyone, to Tigers Tonight. I'm your host, John Maddox, joined as always by the best co-co-host in all the land. Uh, we will start with our friend in at the Palatial Marley Estates in Hernando, Mississippi. He is the jolliest elf on our podcast tonight, the one and only Larry Marley. Larry, how are you, sir? Ho, 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 it is game week, and we are actually going to have a game. How about that? Uh, well, assuming, you, you know. Think, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's only. Well, they'll probably Monday. wait till an hour before kickoff. <laughs> Yeah, we got we got some time to go. No, they, they were practicing today. I saw it on. on, yeah, on yeah, I uh, saw some video. Oh, yeah. well, I, and, and 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 by the way, they're the open practice is finally, guys. Open practice is the first time all year, and it's nope. in Hawaii. No comment. Uh, moving on to our friend in New Jersey, the one and only Brian Moss, who uh, every day is getting closer and closer to taking becoming the next Bruce Arians. Brian, how in the yes. world are you? Doing pretty good. I just need the glasses. I think maybe the goatee, but uh, yeah, no, it's getting chilly up here. It's like twenty something degrees. And, you know, finally had you to coach a team off. to no no points. If you do that, you, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, I, I I can do that. If you're only listening to the audio, Brian has a um, of the same style hat that Bruce Arians wears. That uh, you got in Ireland, correct? That's correct. Uh, it was in Killarney, uh, Ireland. When in Ireland, do as they do. Well, we've got a lot to cover here tonight. We are going to uh, go through the events of, or the, I guess, the non-events of Saturday uh, in Nashville. We're also going to hit some National Signing Day talk, and then we'll close the show out by talking about the upcoming Easy Post Hawaii Bowl that'll take place on Christmas Eve. Uh, I'll actually get a chance to watch it. I <clears throat> postponed our cruise that we had scheduled, so uh, going to... I guess kick back and watch some Hawaii Bowl action on Christmas Eve. But let's get started with uh, what happened in Nashville on Saturday. Um, so kind of a scene setter here. We'll, we'll kind of go through the whole timeline. Uh, Friday night, there was a gathering of prominent boosters, uh, some of the media sponsors, uh, the uh, the Learfield, the radio network sponsors, TSP sponsors, all the kind of people that donate lots of money or buy lots of advertising uh, at the at the ho- team hotel. Uh, the basketball team came in for about 15 minutes, uh, hung out, little meet and greet, shaking babies and kissing hands, as I like to say, and the team left and everybody was in a jovial mood. And got to the arena. I got to the arena about 8.30 on Saturday morning. Uh, Hung out in the press room a little bit, walked out, found my spot on press row, just kind of chilling, hanging out, talking to some of the other media members that were there, uh, sitting there, uh, started wondering about right at nine o'clock, uh, not only was the team not there, but none of the athletic department folks were there. Um, none of the people that typically would travel with the basketball team, uh, couple of friends of mine that are in the media were kind of freaking out a little bit because they need to get pregame interviews. Um, so 9.15 rolls around. Nobody's still there. Uh, 9.30, nobody's there. And that's when myself and a couple of the other media members, a couple from UT actually, uh, not the guy who made himself a villain to Memphis fans, Grant, Grant Ramey, uh, but a couple of the other guys that were there, 
um, we got kind of curious as to why nobody was there. And then at 9.53 a.m., uh, Memphis Athletic Department sent out an email saying there were COVID issues within the Memphis program and the game was going to be canceled. And then it's about about one minute till 10, PA announcer came on uh, in Bridgestone, announced that the game had been canceled. I think everybody kind of, there was not a whole lot of people there, but I think everybody had kind of didn't really understand what he was saying at first. And then it kind of sank in uh, a lot of booze, as you can imagine. And um, so I, I left immediately. I didn't stick around to try to figure out the story because, you know, what was the point, right? I mean, people were sick, so uh, people tested positive. So it wasn't that big of a deal. And then as I'm coming home, I mean, we're texting back and forth. But the story just exploded. Um, There was, and I mentioned Grant earlier, uh, he posted that on Twitter that the Memphis, reportedly he overheard Memphis media talking about uh, players being at a party the night before. Well, and I think I even told you this, Brian, like technically that was true. But it's not what we think of when we think of 18 to 22-year-old kids partying, right? It was a alumni function. Yeah, to me, I, I still wouldn't consider it a party. To me, it was, it was a meet and greet, you know, sort of deal. Uh, you go in there, you know, and, and that's what it is. You, you meet some people, greet them, and you leave. I mean, when you're there, I think Penny said, you know, less than 10 minutes or, or whatever he said. You know, I heard it was upwards of 15 minutes. To me. That's not a party. You know, you don't party in 15 minutes, <laughs> you know. So to me, it was just a true meet and greet with the with the boosters and, you know, whoever was there. But, yeah, not to me, it just wasn't a true party. Me neither. And But the, the I will say before I get into my spiel here, the optics were terrible to do that. The optics were really, really bad to do that in this whatever this is we are in. Here's my question. Does anybody here think the Tennessee basketball team didn't do a meet and greet at their team hotel? I asked that question of a couple people, and they said they did not, that there wasn't any kind of a function for them to do that at. Whether that's true or whether, you know, because I don't, I know everybody's going to be shocked. I don't have a lot of friends at UT. Um, <laughs> breaking news. Um, Me neither. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't exactly endeared ourselves to them over the years. Um, so anyway, and then as the story grew throughout the morning, uh, it came back that two players were positive. It's no secret. Now it was Tyler Harris and Landers Nolly, um, that were positive. We were trying to deduce who it could be because they room, it was apparently two roommates and I guess they roomed together. We had two others, but neither here nor there. Um, and, then the weird part to most of us was, well, why would we have only had four players? Because apparently the way the protocols work is if you are vaccinated and you test negative, you don't have to go into the protocols. You are, if you, as long as you're asymptomatic, vaccinated, and test negative, you're good to go. So Memphis released that they would have only had four players available which raised some eyebrows, but I think people were so angry at the way Tennessee's media framed this and their fans framed it that they kind of looked past it and basically didn't 
pay attention to that part, which is, look, that's typical fans, and it's every school. They're all the same because um, people are like, oh, the Memphis or the Tennessee fan base is crazy. Well, guess what? The Memphis fan base is too. The St. Louis fan base is crazy. The Saints fan base is crazy. The Cowboys are crazy. It's just nature of fan is not short for rational human being. It's short for frenetic. So anyway, so we get through yes, we get through Saturday. Penny has an, an I guess an unscheduled originally media availability yesterday, which always gets the antenna up when it's on a Sunday. Afternoon I, during Sunday, NFL football. Right. During NFL football, a Sunday afternoon. And the bombshell that came out of that was Penny spoke in September and I th- think it was Jason that point blank asked him what percentage of the team is vaccinated. And Penny said about 90%. Everybody took him at his word and we rolled on. And here's where I have to go back and check because what I remember from that press conference is by the start of the season, we'll be at 90. So I have to, I did, I forgot to go back and check that before the, you know, those podcasts. So I just don't know if I was misremembering, yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know, because but, I, I could have swore I heard him say by the start of the season will be 90, but I could be wrong. Well, and even let's say that's the case. He says in that media availability yesterday that they talked about it in September and he didn't think about it anymore. That That's not rational. And, you know, How do you look, not think about it. How do look, you not think about it? I mean, if he had said, I didn't ask him about it after that. Um, that's just as bad. Yeah, I, that's no better. But I, but, but, but I would have believed that. I don't believe he didn't think about it. I, my, my issues come in, you know, people accuse me of killing the kids for not getting vaccinated. Look, I don't agree with the choice, but it is their choice. They made their choice. They knew the circumstance. They know their health circumstances. They knew the circumstances of those decisions. I have a real problem being lied to. And I think I've said this on this podcast before. Sports media is there to help whoever it is they are covering. I'm going to let everybody behind the curtain. Not from a rah-rah cheerleader perspective. That's not the media's job. But the media helps the part department get out the stories they want to get out. And when you are disingenuous or you just flat out lie to the media, that's a problem. And, I mean, I'm not going to kill Penny because Jeff Calkins already did it for us. Um, Jeff, if you haven't read the Daily Memphian, Jeff just obliterated the whole situation, said it was a failure of leadership. Uh, you know, on and on and on. But here's the real crime in all this. Memphis not only lost probably their last chance outside of Houston for a quadrant one win, the problem you're going to have now is if other teams know you are widely unvaccinated, they're not going to schedule you to replace that game because they're not going to risk it. So to me, I'm not killing the kids. The kids make the decisions they make. Whether they're right or wrong, that's between them and their doctors and their families and whatever they decide. Um, Just because we don't agree with the decision doesn't make it the wrong decision. 
It is what it is. But my problem comes with either of those scenarios, Brian, that you mentioned. Either we didn't think about it after September, or you say they'll be 90% vaccinated by the start of the season because clearly the rate is around 50 or 60%. And when you're only dealing with like 15 kids, that matters. Like that's three or four kids. So um, I'll, 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 play a father role here. I was extremely disappointed. Um, I was angry on Saturday, but I was extremely disappointed yesterday. That that really disappointed me uh, to see it transpire like that on Saturday. It was actually quite shocking. <laughs> you know, when I, when I heard that he never even followed up, you know, with his players, to me, that's just like, man. Was that, you... what, Brian, so during, because you and I were both on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had my microphone off. I was just watching. And, and I, I, I audibly gasped when he said, I was like, oh, really? Like, and, and fortunately, my microphone was off so that, that nobody could actually hear me go, what the blank? And, and I even texted you guys like during it, like, whoa, that's because when he said that you could just see, cause you can see that the faces of the other reporters and you could just see them just like go, holy blank, you know? Right. I mean, yep. am I, did I miss that? No, no, you're right. Cause I mean, it's just like, I mean, I think everybody was just in disbelief. I'm like, how do you not check up on that? Uh, I mean, cause you know, yes, you know, it's up to the kids to, you know, whether or not they want to get vaccinated, but you also have to lay it out with continuing education. Be like, hey, guys, your decision, but this is what's going to happen if one of you gets COVID. The rest of you who are, you know, contact tracing, even if you test negative, you have to sit for 10 days or sit for however many days. I mean, I mean that's going to affect our season. So, just the, the continuing education. So I'm not, to me, I'm not upset that the kids that are not vaccinated. I'm, I'm just yeah, like you, so shocked and disappointed that, you know, Penny didn't revisit it later with that ongoing education to be like, okay, you know, here's, here's updated information because you know, we know more now than we did four months ago. You, you know, know so, and, and even if it's not Penny, there are yes, six or seven guys on that staff. Like, where the hell's Laird Veach in the middle of all this? Well, hold on. I'm I'm going to give interviewing Laird, that other jobs. <laughs> or the gonna, well, yeah. well, hold well, on. Is somebody gonna, at the AD. Somebody mentioned that yesterday, and, and I, I'm going to I'm not taking Laird's side in this because what should have happened is it should have got escalated to him at some point. That hey, here's the reality. Only I'm making up a number here. Eight of our players are vaccinated, but but that's not Laird can't babysit that scenario right like he's got a large athletic department but that has i I haven't asked but i'm i want to ask some other schools like uh, dr walker is the nil guy like he's the guy that's in charge of all of that does memphis have a quote covid coordinator that somebody that's in charge of vaccination cards and and the education piece right because here's another thing that uh somebody brought up today if we have unvaccinated players that went to the NIT tip-off and played in New York, that's a fine. Well, I not a fine from New York, 
because uh, I did find out that, you know, like visiting teams coming to New York, they don't have to abide by They're exempt from the rule. And colleges who are outside of New York are exempt as okay. well. So that's why, yeah. So that's why it was okay for them to come to play. Because, yeah, I had someone text me that. And I was like, I was like, ooh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't yeah. either. Yeah, I but, checked on it. And yeah, they, they were exempt. But see, to me, this is not just a public health issue. This is a, you are at a competitive disadvantage because it doesn't even take two players to test positive if you have a large number of unvaccinated on your team. It can just be one. And that gets you down to six guys. And that would have got you killed on Saturday. Uh, but let me, let me say something here. There is not a universe that we have seen or never seen where Memphis is scared to play Tennessee in basketball. Folks can shove that up their hind core, their John Brown hind parts, as Denzel Washington said, and remember the Titans. That is ridiculous. If anything, we have been borderline arrogant over the last four seasons. Uh, we want all the smoke. Um, and we're four and one in our last five against UT. We had just beat the number six team in the country. So any notion that any crazy UT fans have that Memphis didn't want to play and they were scared, okay, you need a mental evaluation because there's just, I mean, that's and that's all the ridiculousness that comes out of this, right, is that Memphis is scared, Memphis's players were out partying, uh, you know, it just just the ridiculous stuff. And, and I do want to wish Tyler and Landers, hope they stay asymptomatic or only mildly ill because that's the only reason they caught this is because I don't know which one, uh, but one of the two of them didn't feel well on Saturday. And got tested, and that's how they found out. When they test one player, they immediately test everybody else. Um, so anyway, so that's the basketball situation. Long and short, this is Monday night. Coaches show canceled tonight. The game tomorrow night against uh, Alabama State, the Hornets. Also, it says postponed. I, they're not making that game up. Um, and then Memphis is supposed to return to the court on the 29th of December. We'll see. Um, that opens conference play. That's a, well, that's a conference game, and if you that's you can't cancel that. You just forfeit. Yeah, and I think it's Wichita State is the first one, and then Tulane, Tulane or is Tulane, Tulane yeah, first? Oh, Tulane, yeah. yeah, it might be Tulane in New Orleans. Um, so and that's that, and, and I'm going down there next week, and I can tell you, you got to have a card to do anything. Yeah. I mean, or or or, or a negative test. Well. You know, I just – I hope Landers and Tyler are okay, and I hope anybody else that gets it's okay. Um, but just a debacle. Just – I mean, and, and an unnecessary one. You know, that that's the whole thing. Yeah. None of this was necessary. And I don't even mean the uh, – whether or not they're vaccinated. Just the whole way this went down was unnecessary and could have been handled yeah. so much better. <laughs> and this came down right after Memphis got – there was the R1 Carnegie – yeah. research right and i'm like and, and when i heard this news of, of, about the uh, penny the basketball team i was just like i just felt like saying like this is why we can't have nice things you know that that it was it even a day that memphis could enjoy that the, the good news <laughs> I mean, yeah. and uh, and let's before we get into signing day which is more good news let's talk about that for a second Folks have no idea how big of a deal that is because the knock on Memphis for so long has been academics, right? Uh, their academics suck, all the Tiger High stuff uh, that's mainly a bunch of idiot old Miss and UT fans. 
but still it's it's a prevailing thought you know texas the last go around flat out said we will not be in a conference with memphis because of their academics and that's fine they texas loves them some texas but that's okay um but now we are one of 137 universities across the country that have this prestigious uh, it means we do a lot of research um and we're a doctor we have a lot of doctoral programs a uh, very high research activity is what it means um uh, Washington University in St. Louis, which is one of the greatest universities in the country, they're on that list. Memphis, Vanderbilt, I figured it out. I was wrong. UT is actually on the list as well. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I mean, so Texas, Oklahoma. So these, this is to me the next best thing to AAU, uh, which is something Memphis will never be in. Um, not AAU Amateur Athletic Union, but the one that dictates university status. But this is a huge deal, guys. Like, this is a literal game changer for this university. I don't know. What do you guys think was bigger? The R1 or us getting our own board of trustees? To me, R1. Um, but does R1 happen without our own board of trustees? Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think I think it's it's a chicken and the egg thing. I, I think I think we had to have our own board of trustees to have the facilities and the, the funding support to get yeah. our one. Um, and 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 I'll I'll add this, and I tweeted this out. I I think for my lifetime, which starts in 1971, I think David Rudd is the greatest president the University of Memphis has had. And he and Thomas Carpenter, most, absolutely. And and and, and could, well, Carpenter was a little before me, right? Uh, he was around that time. Okay. Well, I, I was really young, but I mean, it's just in terms of perspective, just just he he has. If you look at what he's done, not just athletically, but everything infrastructure for the school, he got the IPC done. We got, um, you know, we're doing for. Um, I, I was over there a couple of, of months ago. I was shocked at how everything's changed. And then, of course, now this. This is, to me, this is the cherry on the, the Sunday. I mean, this is the pinnacle. Like, you look at that and go, wow. They, look, let's say for what it is, guys. And you, you mentioned the Tiger High. Memphis was always the school that if you couldn't get into Ole Miss, you couldn't get into Mississippi State, you could not get into Tennessee, you know, you could get into Memphis because they take you, right? I mean, I, and, and that's no knock on Memphis. That's how it that was. was the perception, whether that was reality or not, right? And um, I think now <clears throat> some people will not change their perception no matter what, but that's irrelevant. This shows that that's not accurate. That's just not an accurate perception. And this is a lot of hard work from a lot of people to get here. Um, everybody, I think, realized how big of a deal this was, um, it was Dr. Rudd. I'm told it was pretty much his only focus for the last two years. And he really wanted to get this done before he left. Uh, the only other thing he really wants to get done before he leaves, I don't think it will get done, is he wants to put Memphis, get Memphis into a Power Five conference. But this is a big step towards that. Like this is, this is a huge deal. You take this, you know, don't think for a minute that stuff like this and the Ford deal aren't related. Like, because when a big employer wants to come to an area, one of the things they look at is 
how's the education system? Because that's, and yes, elementary, junior high school, yeah, that matters a little bit, but like, because where are they going to get the majority of their management uh, business folks from colleges and universities when they graduate? So having an R1 university brings a prestige that, again, we're one of 137 across the country. So just a huge, huge deal um, that just, it cannot be overstated how important this was. Um, but yeah, so kudos to Dr. Rudd and, and everybody over at the university. I want to make sure we get enough good news in here with all the other craziness going on. So let's move ahead now to National Signing Day, uh, which was Wednesday. My whole mind's Wednesday. a blur. Yeah, my, this week has been a blur. Um, so, Brian, just before we get into specifics, your thoughts overall on signing day? Yeah, to me, I I think it's a solid class. Uh, I, I know some Memphis fans are, you know, they're like, ah, it's not, uh, it's not the best class ever. You can't have the best class ever every single year. It's just, you know, they just, you know, you're not Alabama. Even Alabama doesn't have a, a best class ever every single year. But, I mean, it's a solid class. It hits, uh, you know, the positions of need. You uh, I mean, definitely need a quarterback, and you got two. Um, you know, one's a pocket passer, one's, a, you know, a, a dual threat. Uh, offensive line, you got, I think, they signed four offensive linemen. Uh, well, actually, you, you signed three. Uh, Bennett Brady is uh, committed, but he hasn't signed. He'll most likely sign in, in February. But, yeah, linebacker. Got a linebacker that comes in, defensive end, you know, DBs. I mean, you got you got one running back. So I mean, it's just, it's to me, it's a very solid class. It's currently ranked, uh, you know, as of today, fifty seventh in the rivals team ranking. Last year was, you know, the quote unquote best class ever was forty ninth or forty seventh. Let me check real quick. Forty-eight. So I mean, you're, <laughs> there we go. You're not. It's not like you're that far off. I mean, nine spots. So I mean, Memphis fans should just you know take a deep breath. You know, I, I know there's some thought out there like you know one of these kids going to produce because Memphis had a you know a down year this year. Well, I mean, it's going to take a, a year or two for you know to, to see you know some to see some benefits uh, from this, but. Hey, uh, all in all, to me, it's a, a very solid class, and uh, you know, I'm excited by a lot of these players that have signed. Yeah, and I, and I saw a lot of consternation about Memphis hitting the JUCOs hard, but that's kind of what this class had to do because you've got a backfill, especially on the defensive side of the football. I've been talking about it for six weeks that we're going to lose a lot on the defensive side. So let's kind of go through the class. Uh, Antoine Barham, a 6'2", 210-pound linebacker from just up the road in Milan. Uh, Milan, Tennessee, and Milan High School, a perennial power in West Tennessee. Uh, Dedrick Bell, a 6'3", 178-pound defensive back from Pensacola, Florida. I love the 6'3", because you, you got to have those tall guys these days. Um, a guy that I think is probably going to contribute immediately, Davion Carter, uh, 6'2", 290-pound offensive lineman from Northwest Community College, uh, originally from Pearl, Mississippi. Uh, the big the big signing of the class, I think, is or what everybody seems to think is Tevin Carter, 6'3", 230-pound quarterback out of Memphis. I uh, went to Pure Youth High School. Uh, from Cane Ridge High School in Antioch, Tennessee, 6'5", 270-pound defensive lineman Eric Gaston. Um, 
a kid I'm kind of excited about because I've watched some tape on him. Trevor Hardy, a 6'275 pound defensive back from Alabaster, Alabama, Thompson High School. Uh, a couple transfers, uh, Anthony Lanfear from College of San Mateo, 6'5", 253-pound uh, tight end, which is another position of need for Memphis. Terrence McLean, a 6'4", 295-pound offensive lineman from originally from Sumter, South Carolina, but from Coffeyville Community College in Kansas. Kendall McKenzie, a 6'2", 305-pound offensive lineman out of uh, Little I'm sorry Rock. To Didn't Riley Ferguson go to Coffeyville? Yes, I believe yes, so. Yes, that is correct, yes. Um, A.J. Odom, another one that I know everybody, especially on the staff, is excited about, a 6'3", 210-pound linebacker from Oakman, Alabama. Uh, Ladarian Polk, a 6'2", 190-pound defensive back from Apopka. I can never say that one, Florida. Uh, also from Fort Scott Community College, another uh, uh, Kansas Community College. Another Kansas Community College player, Warren Peoples, a 6'2", 225-pound linebacker from Highlands Community College. Uh, along the defensive line, Daphne High School, uh, Daphne, Alabama, James Quinley, uh, 6'5", 275-pound defensive lineman. Uh, Sutton Smith, who's another one that I know folks are excited to see, a 5'10", 180-pound uh, just killer athlete. Uh, from Marietta, Georgia, Josh White from Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia, 6'4", 275. And I'm leaving off a couple of the transfers that we've also picked up since then. Brian, do you have those? I Ira, yeah, the FSU offensive lineman, Ira Henry. And, uh, oh, man, my mind just – can't say his name, the kid from Syracuse. Uh, Canton Anu, is that his oh, name? Oh, yeah, Jeffrey Canton. I just say Jeffrey Canton. Yeah, there, <laughs> there we go. The, I'll skip the other part. Just how um, people skip the, you know, the Namowitz part of my name. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's a he's another nice get for Memphis. Uh, Canton Arku, that's it. Uh, yeah. He's a kid from Syracuse. Um, so, so, Memphis has how, I guess, can Memphis still sign 10 in the late period? They can sign uh, because by that by the time February rolls around, they'll have that plus seven rule. So you can actually sign, you know, 32 uh, in this class. Will they get to 32? I'm not sure. Right now you have 18 commitments, but uh, you know, what is it, 15 signed? Um, 32 so is almost a third of – well, it's more than a third of your active roster. That's a yeah, lot. It's a lot, but the, you got that uh, free agency, a.k.a. the transfer portal. And and a lot of kids nowadays uh, that I'm speaking to, some of them that haven't signed are not hearing from schools anymore because you know they're they're turning to the portal instead of going to the high school ranks. So that's that's another to me the unintended consequences of this uh, transfer portal is you know a, a lot of schools are looking for the quick fix, and some some schools have to like Memphis you you have to do the JUCOs and transfer portal. To, to get back to where you were because you don't have time to develop a four-year kid. You, you need someone that's already been developed. Um, but yeah, you have kids out there that, uh, you know, I've been pushed to the wayside because you're, you're, you're not the, you're not what they're looking for. They're, they're not looking for high school kids right now. So who are you most excited about? Cause you're our recruiting guy. So. Yeah, no, to me, I really want to see Sutton Smith because uh, you know, 
what what's the running backs going to look like? You have, you know, Watkins is not back. Uh, you know, I think Weaver can come back, but uh, uh, Brandon Thomas, there's talks about him, you know, health, health, health wise. Uh, there's also, uh, who is the other one? Uh, Drake Clark. Drake Clark, um, you know, may or may not come back because of health reasons. So to me, Sutton Smith may be the one that, that comes in. And, and J.P. Martin, who signed last year, he was injured this year. So you have an injured backfield. So Sutton Smith has an opportunity to come in and make an impact right away. So, I mean, I like him. And I also like uh, the defensive uh, lineman, Warren Peoples. Um, or linebacker. He's a linebacker. He's gonna be, I think he's going to play outside linebacker. But uh, when I spoke to him, and his video is on our YouTube channel, he, I mean, his personal goal, he wants 10, 15 sacks. I mean, he's coming in. He, he wants to win right away. He wants to play right away. That's another thing I got to say about this class. This class, maybe it's because of the environment nowadays with transfer portal and everything. But this class seems more than any class I've ever talked to. They want to play and win right now. You know, because before you saw, you know, yes, kids, are, is playing time important to you? It's like, well, I want to, I want to, you know, Get in, you know, get used to being in college. You know, I, I know it may be a year or two, but all these kids here, no, they want to come in and play right away. And uh, I think, I think that Porter has a lot to do with that. Yeah, I do too. A couple that we didn't mention, not really signing day, but transfers. Uh, Joseph Skates, a former four-star yes. wide receiver from Iowa State. I know he didn't produce very much, and you said this on the the board. But that's a great get for Memphis. I mean, that, you know, when you start getting four star kids, even as a transfer, um, that that's really good. Like that, that tells you that tells you a lot about your program, right? Where your yeah. program is when these highly rated kids that are, you know, we don't know the situations. I mean, you know, but hey, if he can come to Memphis and and break out here you know he can play or Iowa State would have never recruited him. And yes, and that's what I tell fans. Don't, you know, don't be focused so much on, you know, well, he didn't produce or like, you know, the, the Canton kids out of Syracuse. Oh, he only had 44 tackles last year. Listen, I mean, you're behind other four and five-star, you know, players at these major universities. So, you know, these kids that, uh, like you said, coming out of high school is a four-star. I mean, if he wasn't good, I, like you said, Iowa State would have never recruited him. And, right. you know, Memphis Memphis is, I think, you know, cleaned up this year in the uh, transfer market. I really do. Well, I mean, that's better, than, that... better than last year because last year, let's take a look. I mean, it <laughs> will be next year. But uh, to me, last year's transfers, I was excited about. But how many of them actually panned out? You know, uh, I'm trying to think of one that actually, pretty, you know, Barnett, didn't really produce uh, so far this year because uh, Ruben, you know, outplayed. Yeah, him. he just got a bad break because of because yeah. Ruben came in and contributed so much. Jukari Robinson, yeah, he's already transferred out. Uh, the offensive lineman from Cincinnati. Um, so, you know, I think well, I guess the best one would be what Joe Doyle. Yeah, I mean, he was thrust into the, <laughs> to kicking duties, but yeah. So uh, Memphis is due to have you know you know a good you know signing class for. For transfers, and I, I really do. I, I think they hit they hit a home run this year. We'll yeah, see. Then, we'll see next year, though. Yeah, there's two or three other kids still out there. Um, Louisville transfer Jordan Watkins picked up mm-hmm. an offer from Memphis. Uh, I haven't seen where he's committed anywhere else yet. So, not a yet. lot, 
you know, a lot, a lot to sort through. And, and, you know, we've talked about the transfer portal and to me, this is what the transfer portal was built for to give kids that may not, you know, just because you transfer from Florida state to Memphis doesn't mean you weren't good enough to play at Florida state. Just they went and they got a five-star commit like, and I'm making this up because I don't know, but you know, Mike gets a five-star, two five-star offensive tackles where our, our Henry sees the writing on the wall. Not that he's not a good player. He's just like, I'm never going to get to play. So that that's what, you know, I caution fans on, you know, oh, well, he only caught four balls at Iowa State. Well, maybe that's because he couldn't get on the field. That doesn't mean he's not good enough to play in the Memphis offense. And then we've also talked about this before. You know, and and look, this wouldn't surprise me at all, but with Mike and Ryan's relationship, Mike probably could have called Ryan up and said, hey, I got a kid who's about to go in the portal. I think he'd be a great fit at Memphis. Because it doesn't hurt Florida State if he comes here. I mean, although I think they're playing in a couple. But, you know, it's so in, inconsequential. You can't, you can't even think two years down the road now. Um, but, you know, you look at that and you go, well, send me some film. What do you think? And, you know, hey, I think he's a good – That he's happens a, a lot. He's, that does happen well, a lot. And, and he's an offensive lineman, and so Mike's going to know what Ryan likes in an OL, right? He, right. he should. So. Yeah, and, that you know, and, and people – and I, I think I went on this a couple weeks ago. Like, people don't understand how close coaches are. Like, Gus and Mike are close, and Mike and Todd Graham are close. Like, this – it's a very – it's a very small club. I mean, there's only Memphis one of, got Asa Martin from uh, Auburn. Yeah, a hundred because of the coaching um, coaches relationship. Uh, one of the uh, was it Regis Ball came from Auburn as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've we've had a couple kids come from Auburn, and there's only a was it? Are we at 130 now? Division FBS programs? Is that right? 130s, I think. Yeah. So there's only 130 people in the world that have this job. They're going to talk, and most of them are friends. Now, there are some rather <laughs> notable exceptions to that. But, um, like, I'm pretty sure Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin probably not exchanging Christmas cookie re- uh, recipes. Um, but, you know, that's the deal is, right? Like, these guys, and they know the kids, and at the end of the day, they want to win, but they want what's best for the kids. And if a good kid can get in a good situation somewhere else, then all that does in recruiting is show a high school coach that it may not work here, but I'm still going to take care of your kid. Like I'm, or, and the families too. I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of and that they get to play. So, uh, big recruiting, recruiting hall, I think, for Memphis and transfer portals going well. Um, it's just going to be about development at this point. But that's the advantage you have with JUCO and transfers is they kind of are who we think they are at this point, and it's just about finding the right pieces to fit. So congratulations to Coach Silverfield. And, again, we've got to do this all over again in like six weeks or seven weeks So with with signing day. So recruiting is one of those things now it never ends. So we're going to step so aside. Brian, I have oh, to ask this before we, before we, we hit the break. Do, do you miss the days of a single signing day? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because it's just one day and you can get it over with. But no, because now it, it's sort of more exciting. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, coaches, especially in the G5, 
they love having this early signing period because now good, you know, upwards of 75% of your class is signed. You, you do not have to worry about them anymore. You know, so, so yes and no. You don't have to worry about a kid blowing up in the state playoffs and Alabama suddenly noticing this kid and they lose a kid to injury or transfer. And now they swoop in and, you know, take a player that you have had committed for a year and a half. So I, I'm torn because I think it has a lot of unintended consequences, um, but it definitely does make it – to me, it makes recruiting easier at the lower levels because, like you said, you get your kids, you sign them, and they move on. If, if it, Honestly, if I had my way, I, I, I would want the early – I know they're talking about changing the early signing period uh, because of these unintended consequences. If it was me, I would push the – first signing period to maybe like August. Really? Yeah. I, that's what I would do because kids that know they're going to sign somewhere, just go ahead and get it over with. You know, I, so to me, I would have it early rather than late because now, I mean, look, if you have it here in, in December, you have coaches um, that are at bowl games uh, or at their bowl game destinations uh, at some places that have, you know, they're worried about the, the bowl game travel and you still got to recruit and still have to make sure your kids sign. I mean, that's to me, that's a, that's a lot on the plate. So I would put, if not August, maybe September, but not, definitely not December and then February. That To me, that's too close. I, I'd want it further apart. Here, here's where I will disagree with you on that. You sign a kid in August and he blows an ACL in September. That's that's the that's why I don't think coaches would be so hype on it because now you've got an NLI yeah. out there, and that takes a scholarship and it's just confusing. But yeah, that's my only knock that. on that. Yeah, I mean, some people said, look, if you're going to do it in December, push February out, like push it to May because you know I, I don't like the idea of a signing day in the middle of the school year. That's that's also kind of weird to me. Um, to me, this should be extra like not in the middle of the school year although as famous noted poet laureate of the state of ohio cardell jones once said we ain't here to play school so with that note we're going to step aside for just a minute when we come back we're going to talk about an actual real live american football game that'll take place in hawaii on christmas eve the easy post hawaii ball you're listening to tigers tonight we'll be everybody john here and while memphis tigers football is of course one of my passions happy to host tigers tonight i do have a second passion and that is travel i'm a full service travel agent and i love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation maybe that's a caribbean cruise maybe it's a cruise somewhere like antarctica maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to disney i'm here to help you make those dreams come true no matter what type of vacation you're looking for hey for tigers tonight listeners i've got a special deal if you book a vacation with me anytime during the memphis football season i'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on tigers tonight in addition i'll waive my normal planning fee or 50 bucks that's just for our listeners here on Tigers tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net and we'll get the planning set process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net. Hey, and welcome back into the large program. John Maddox, Brian Moss, Larry Marley here with you as we talk about a foosball game. The Hawaii Bowl taking place on Friday, December the 24th. 
uh, in a game that will be broadcast over the ESPN. And uh, Brian, we'll start with you. It's football time again. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. I, you know, when it, I know there was, there was some talk that, you know, because of Hawaii's offense, it may not be a good matchup for Memphis. But they, they're, they're, Hawaii's having some problems right now. I mean, you're, I mean you're, you'll talk about it. Uh, you know, their quarterback and Seth kind of know each other. They've had some, they had some dealings. So to me, it's, it's an exciting matchup. You know, am I being a, a Memphis homer? Probably a little bit, but I, I am truly genuinely excited about this game because, yes, I was in the military. I, I served, you know, in Hawaii. So got to see some Hawaii you know, football games out there. I, I guess, I don't know, the, the two high-flying offenses, Memphis is not as high-flying as, as it used to be, but still, two offenses that should push the ball. I mean, there's some great storylines. We already talked about, you know, that the, the Seth Hennigan, I mean, Seth Hennigan one. And Hawaii loves to give up the ball, and they love to take the ball away. So, to me, there's, there's, there's some great matchups here. And to me, I just – I really think it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, you know, this was made probably a little less exciting. Uh, early December, story came out at the end of their regular season that uh, we'll just say a lot of their players are less than pleased with Todd Graham, the head coach. Uh, and their starting quarterback and starting running back both transferred out of the program. The quarterback transferred to San Jose State. And I look today and I forget where Davion Hunter transferred, but somewhere on the East Coast, which was kind of weird to me. But anyway. Um, so Hawaii will be making their 10th appearance in the Hawaii Bowl. They have a 5-4 and four record, most recently 2019 after a win over BYU. And any day BYU loses is a good day. Uh, Hawaii also won in 03, 04, 06, and 16. Uh, this is Hawaii's 15th bowl appearance. Tigers on a streak of eight straight bowls, uh, highest among the group of five. Uh, let me see. I, ha- I had all these wonderful notes, and I didn't write them down. Very typical of me, uh, pulling them up here. So a couple more numbers here. Uh, it's the 12th best in the country, and it's the best among all Power 5 schools, the eight in a row. Um, and the two quarterbacks, interestingly enough, as you said, they played against each other in a regional final in high school. Uh, Brandon Shager went to Highland Park High School, which is another Texas absolute 5A power uh, Denton Ryan is where Seth Hennigan went, and they won that game 17-7. to Two of only 13 true freshman quarterbacks to start a game this year in the FBS. Um, the Tigers, of course, finished in a tie for seventh place. They're making their eighth consecutive appearance. Uh, Ryan is one and one in bowl games. Of course, he won last year. Um, and scouting Hawaii, they ended the season with a record of six and seven. I complained about that earlier. We're not going to complain about it anymore. Uh, after starting one and three, they went five and four of the top final name. They beat Fresno State 27 uh, 24 and de- absolutely destroyed Wyoming and Laramie at the last game of the season 38 to 14. They have nine players that were on the All Mountain West team, uh, two of which have left. Uh, uh, this will be the first ever meeting between the two schools. Uh, Memphis has never been to the Hawaii Bowl and obviously has never played Hawaii. Uh, let's see, a couple other notes here. Uh, you, Hawaii is seeking its third straight bowl win, which would tie a program record, while Memphis, of course, seeks its second straight. Uh, Hawaii is 19-10 and 10 against current members of the AAC, and I got to think a lot of that probably goes back to the whack, if I'm guessing, because – 
but I don't remember the whack and who all was it's in our league now it's in that league it's been too long but uh they they have defeated Houston in Hawaii ball I do know that um uh, Todd Graham's anytime you know, Houston loses well, that's, that's right. a, a good day, day. it, baby it. Uh, Hawaii head coach Todd Graham, 11th bowl game in 14 seasons. He has directed all five of his FBS teams to bowl appearances uh, and sports a six and four, four bowl record. Uh, Memphis head coach Ryan Silverfield was an analyst, offensive analyst on Graham's coaching staff at Arizona State in 2015. That's how he developed the relationship with Mike Norvell. Uh, their Mr. Do Everything player is a gentleman named Calvin Turner Jr. He just needs three more return yards to reach 1,000 in his career. And he would have a thousand rushing, a thousand passing, a thousand receiving, and a thousand return yards. Uh, he would be the first Division One player in the last twenty years to accomplish that feat. Brian, you brought up a great point. UH has five defensive touchdowns, which is second in the country. They are fourth in takeaways with twenty-seven. Uh, we mentioned that they lost Davion Hunter and Chevron. Forgot his name already. Quarterback. Uh, to the portal in early December, and nine other players have gone in since November the 8th. So they have a true freshman quarterback in Braden Shaker, who has uh, a 2-1 and one record. He appeared in six games. He made three starts. Uh, just hasn't played a whole lot. I mean, he played those three games and did okay, but just not a lot out there. Uh, Dedrick Parson is the team's second-leading rusher with 618 yards on 117 carries, and he will get the start. The thing that just jumped off the page – to me, Larry, Hawaii of their 22 starters, 21 are juniors or seniors. The only underclassmen, the starting quarterback. That's, that's, that's wild to me. Like I can't wrap my head around that. Uh, but again, that doesn't mean they're good players. It just means they're experienced and they've played a lot, but where that really shows up, Brian, in my opinion, is along the offensive line. Their offensive lines has 47 starts, 16 starts, 31 starts, 40 starts, and 27 starts. Definitely got some experience. And if it's anything like it was back in the 90s when I was over there, they probably have some Samoans on that offensive line. Uh, well, there's, there's a reason I'm not saying any of their names. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, I mean, there's some, uh, some tall ones. They used to come on post. You know, when I was at Schofield Barracks and just, just loved to push people around just because they could. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, the experience, that's what to me that, I mean, that's, they're, they're such, because I think the Memphis defensive line has some speed. And I wanted to see, you know, have them go against the, you know, their, their offensive line. So to me, that's just another aspect of the game that's exciting to me. Their center is a gentleman named Cole Laval. He is 6'6", 350 pounds. That's a center. That's a large man. I, I can't fathom how you play the center position at that size. Because when you think about it, the center, it's a real disadvantage to be 6'6". Because, you know, the crouch and, and the snapping motion of the ball is hard for taller guys. But holy cow, they six. Uh, 6'4", 280, 6'6", 300, 6'6", 350, 6'3", 300, 6'3", 310. Now, will they be able to block the Memphis front? That's, you know, the question because what wins? Brian, you just brought it up. Larry, what wins? In these situations, does speed usually win or does strength usually win? 
Well, it, it depends on, I mean, if, if you want to line up and just try to run the ball straight at somebody, then, then you can try to blow them off the ball. Um, the, the, the problem you normally have with really large guys is, um, is that they, they don't, they're not very agile. And so you can, you can sort of, by doing twists and blitzes and things like that, you can get them off, you know, off their blocks and you can create gaps in the offensive line. That's what you're looking for. Have a really large – look, if these guys were 6'6", 305 pounds that could run a 4640, they'd be at USC. I mean, let's say it for what it is, right? I mean, let's – you know, um, not that there's anything wrong with Hawaii, but normally large guys um, – aren't very agile. I mean, if they are, then they end up in the NFL. So you're exactly right, John. What you're looking for is to create gaps in the, in the line. <clears throat> and the way you do that is by doing stunts and twists and, 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 and create um, crevices that your, your, your linebackers. And, and what we want to do is have a guy like JJ Russell funnel everything to him, funnel everything to our linebackers. And so the way you do that is just occupy those big guys because what creates actually big plays is when your offensive linemen can get a block and then get downfield and get to that next level. And, and so normally what you want are quick guys that are, you know, uh, able to maneuver and get to those linebackers. That's how, cause that's how you generate big plays. But I mean, if you want to do three yards in a cloud of dust, Woody Hayes football, here we go. You know, let's go for it. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's their MO, though. I'm looking at their stats. Yeah, I, I don't do. think so either. I mean, I think they're more um, – they like to throw the ball around a little bit. To me, John Tate is probably the most important player in this game because it's going to be his job as the nose tackle to do the occupa occupation. Like, that's, that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to get that big guy – tied up and Larry that's a great point because you don't want 6'6 350 uh with a chance to run downhill and block 6'2 225 pound JJ Russell that's that's not a recipe for Memphis success um that would be as I like to say suboptimal that that's not that's not good but uh Hawaii they like to get you know Todd Graham likes to get the ball out quick and that's maybe an advantage for Memphis because, but you know, it's going to be game planning, right? You know, Brian is, is Graham going to say, you know what? We've got a freshman quarterback. Yes. He's played a little bit. Uh, our best way to win is to let the big dudes, big, nasty, ugly guys up front do all the work. Yeah. And, and could, could catch Memphis off guard if they're not prepared for that. If they're expecting, you know, what uh, we've seen. And that's another thing I, I'm interested in this game is how is coach Clark, Clark going to call this game yeah is he going to be conservative like uh, McIntyre or is he going to use this as his opportunity as this is going to be my job and you know I'm, I'm going to be aggressive I'm going to show what I can do man there's it's it's going to be interesting I, I I wonder if this is his job interview I like, think it is I mean, because because we've talked about this before, usually your hires are either going to be internal or they come at the AFCA. Now, all that has changed a little bit with the early signing period because assistant coaches don't just work on Saturday. They they have responsibilities in recruiting, obviously. They recruit different areas. So that's why you've seen quite a bit of movement uh, this offseason among assistant. It's really early for that. You usually don't see this much heavy-duty movement 
during the offseason. So uh, during the early part of the offseason, again, the AFCA conventions mid-January, that's the American Football Coach Association and everybody who's a, a football coach, high school, college, pro, doesn't matter. Everybody's there. Um, and so that's why you always typically see those hires kind of leak out after that. But this year, you know, if you want to recruit, I'll just make something up. If if Coach Clark's responsibility is Georgia and you're a head coach somewhere that lost your D.C. and you want to recruit Georgia, then you want Coach Clark as quickly as you can get him because, you know, you want him to use those relationships to help you. Um so that's the reality of the recruiting situation. And that's why you've seen this year so much movement so early is with this early signing period, you've got to be on the ground when your last regular season game is done. Like you got to be on the ground and ready to recruit for wherever you're going to be. So I think this is, this might be an interview for coach Clark, because if you're going to promote from within, you're probably not going to wait until the AFCA convention to do that. You're just going to go ahead and do it because that helps with recruiting and it gives kids confidence and all that. So as we move into the game, so you've got Memphis and Hawaii and Hawaii is a bit of an unknown to Memphis, not only because we've never played, but we're going to see players we weren't on tape this year because you've got a new quarterback, new running back. I think, and, and, for, and we've got a new de- defensive coordinator—not new, but but a different yeah, defensive right. coordinator. And so you've got, to me, the dynamic that to me, and, and we, you talked about their offensive line and our defense. But to me, that dynamic is 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 what I'm most interested in. How does the the the, the defensive coordinator of Memphis, who hasn't called any plays this year, how does he? change or how does he modify in game with what Hawaii is going to be doing because they don't exactly know how that dynamic is going to go. So I think you're going to see a whole bunch of gamesmanship, especially early in the game with each team sort of feeling each other out. Okay. What's he going to do? All right, what are you going to do in response? Because to be honest with you, what Mac was great at was was assessing I wouldn't say great but he was really really good at this he could assess what the other team was doing and then at the second half he would adjust his play calling and and that's why you saw a lot of times with a lot of games this year we were able to play really well in the second half defensively and it, because he figured out what the other team was doing what's is coach Clark going to be able to do that that to me that's an interesting dynamic that is. And, you know, to your point, Larry, how many times this year did we see the first team, uh, the first drive of the game be a 17-play, 80-yard drive for a touchdown that took nine minutes off the clock, and then they don't have a drive over 10 plays the rest of the game? Brian, what's kind of your key? What's your what's your key matchup? I'm re- I'd really want to see the Memphis wide receivers because Calvin Austin is gone. Who's going to step up at the wide receiver position? Because you have, you really don't have that big time playmaker anymore. I mean, Eddie Lewis. Uh, I mean, he was he's been up and down this year. So, you know, does he step up? The guy who I really want to see step up is Rock Taylor. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping he comes in and just, you know, because I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. But obviously, he's young. Um, Gabe Rogers. You know, will Seth Hennigan throw to him more often? Javon Iver, he he's you know I think had a down year compared to expectations coming. He's the, the guy. 
Like he, he's yeah. your experienced guy. He is. Um, so the, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Kai Matthew has a chance Don to Dykes. step up. It, Sean, it, it, to me, I, of course, I wish Sean Dykes would get thrown to him more often. I've said that how many times, you know, this year he needs to be you know, featured. But, yeah, to me, I, I'm interested in the wide receiver position because this is going to tell you or show you for next year. I know there's some JUCO and transfers wide receivers coming in, but these receivers in here, they have an opportunity to step up. And there's not, to me, in my opinion, there's not a lot of game tape on them for Hawaii. So we'll see. Yeah, you'll hear me chuckle because I, I'm the one that gets made fun of about my cats uh, making appearances on the podcast. And Nolan, Larry's uh, Greyhound, made a, has made a cameo on this podcast. Um, for me, and I've, I said this from day one, and I, I stand by it. This is a hill I will die on. This is the Asa Martin game. Uh, that's how this comes down to me because without Calvin – he is arguably our most dynamic player because he can do multiple things for you. Um, I think this is going to be a big game. I, I think that one of those young receivers, Brian, I think you're on to something we're going to break out. I think either Kai Matthew or Rock Taylor are going to have a really big game. But I'm really excited to see Asa and see how he handles this because – you know, he and Drake are just – and Weaver are just different guys. And it's not that one's better than the other, but Drake's going to uh, kill a man. He's going to run over you. Weaver, Weaver's just steady. Like, he, he's just the steady guy. But Ace is an, a wild card because how do you defend him? Because if you cloud the line when he's in the game, he, you just swing the ball to him out of the backfield. He can make guys miss. If you play off of him, he catches the ball in space. I mean, that's – that's why I think he is so important. And Sean Dykes, that, that's the other guy. Like, even if Sean Dykes ran the seam route 100 times in this game, he's going to be open 78 times. Because how do you defend him? If you put a corner on him, he's strong enough to muscle inside and get position. And if you make the fatal mistake of putting a linebacker on, I hope you see Dykes on the back of the jersey because that's the only part you're going to be seeing down the middle of the field. Um so they I, don't I, have they don't have anybody that's capable of covering him consistently throughout the game. And if if I'm Seth Hennigan, I I'm with you guys. It, it the, my progression, and I don't care what the play is, is Dykes, Martin, uh, and Ivory, and that's your that's your progression. Because I'm going to be honest with you, if if we play this the right way, not with just the passing game. And I, and by the way, I totally think Kevin Johns is going to have a good, good game plan for this. I, I don't believe that they have the athletes to stay with those guys. I just don't not, not consistently. Now, again, if we go out there and we, you know, act like we've never seen a football before and fumble it and, you know, th- you know chuck it to them and, you know, and, and here, here you want to win. Okay. Well that can happen. But if we play this, right and we we take care of the football we don't have stupid penalties um and and we have and and we have a really good uh we play decent on our special teams i i i don't think they can stay with us i think you're exactly right john i I think another factor to take into account when you're starting quarterback and you're starting running back transfer and uh I, i don't even remember talking about this but uh, there's that feature on Twitter called Spaces. Uh, when that happened, there was like a four-hour 
spaces on Twitter of former and current, which is interesting, Hawaii football players that just lit into Todd Graham. So the question is, do they like Todd Graham enough to play for him in a ball game? And that motivation matters. And, and this is the only time of the year that I really say that because how many times do you see a group of five team play a power five team that would rather be anywhere else than in a ball game or a group of five play well, two group of five teams that really just don't want to be there. One of the two just doesn't want to be there. They don't care. But I think you have a very unique situation here because look, our chemistry issues are well-documented on this podcast. I don't want to, I don't want to relitigate all that, but those, a lot of those kids really don't like Todd Graham. So how motivated are they going to be to play a team they've never played before that's 4,000 miles away that frankly will never play again? Do I care? I mean, because that's the question. Or does Memphis go out there and like, look, we're in Hawaii. We're going to vacation. Um, We're happy to be here. It's cool. And then they don't show up. So I think more than normal, this game is – and I think you will know who's going to win this football game in the first 10 minutes. There's going to be a lot of give a damn in this. You're exactly right. And to me, one one thing that that people may not think about is a lot of the kids at Hawaii aren't from Hawaii. And so a lot of them were looking forward – I can assure you, especially the younger ones, were looking forward to Christmas – where they could go home, see their families. And then all of a sudden, now you got to play a game on the 24th of December. And you, half of your Christmas break is now gone because of that. I don't know. I don't know. But if, if you don't like your coach and you lost half your Christmas break, oh boy. Like for Memphis, it, it, for Memphis, this is a trip, right? It's a vacation. Because a lot of the kids, like their parents probably went with, or some yep. of them kids for sure, their parents went with them, right? I mean, and 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 this was a trip. But for the kids in Hawaii, like we're in Hawaii. We're, we've been in Hawaii. I've been in Hawaii since August. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I really just want to go to Dallas and see my dad. Right? So are you, are you ready? Let's, let's kind of go down the let's list. Do and I just have the offensive starters here. Philadelphia, Dallas. Glendale, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Aberdeen, Washington. Here's my pro wrestling reference, home of Daniel Bryan. Got to get one in every time. I'm sorry, Bryan Danielson now. Uh, Riverside, California, Basalia, California, Encinitas, Encinitas, California, Savannah, Georgia. Uh, That's where Calvin Turner, their uh, Mr. Do-Everything is from. Long Beach, California, Missaagua, Ontario, and Oahu. They have one starter from the state of Hawaii, heavy on California, heavy on the West coast, which is not surprising, but, uh, wow. Ontario weather's just a little bit different. Well, he's probably not excited about going home, but (laughs) everybody else, probably not. But, uh, so that's, that's where we stand with Hawaii ball. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, Brian, I will start with you. The game. What time's that game kick off? Seven o'clock, seven o'clock Memphis time which is like 3 a.m. Hawaii time. Uh, I know it's, it's five hours. Um, so let's see at 10 14 central, we will look at the Clarence Ching TC Ching scoreboard and it will say. 
I think it's going to be, like I said before, an exciting game. I think Memphis wins it because I think Coach Clark, I, I, I think he's going to be aggressive. You know, Hawaii has that new quarterback, new running back. I, I think Coach Clark will put some new wrinkles in that uh, haven't been seen before. So I say Memphis wins 32-24. Larry? You know, I just don't think Hawaii has has either the 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 athletes or the want to. Um, and I, I I think there's going to be I think you're going to see a healthy dose of running. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. I think it's going to be very similar to the bowl game from last year. I'm going to say 31-17 Memphis. Um, and I'm not sure that it's it's going to be particularly close. I, I I just think we're going to get up. We're going to run the ball, and that's going to be the end of it. <clears throat> two things concern me about this game number one i cannot tell you the last time an aac team went to the hawaii bowl and got a fair shake from the officials uh it doesn't matter if hawaii's playing or not it's just it's always been that way number two it's going to be really really important for memphis to maintain composure because the other thing that happens in hawaii they play nasty let's let's just Say it for what it is. Now, they play through the whistle, as they like to say, um, and it's going to be nasty. I- I'm really glad it's not at Aloha Stadium, number one, because Aloha Stadium's a dump. But number two, their fans were nasty at that stage. It's just it was. It's just not a good place to play. Uh, I've talked to a couple players that played there, and they say despite the fact that it's literally in paradise, it is the last place you want to play a football game. Um, so Memphis is really going to have to maintain composure. You're going to see some late hits. You're going to see some low blows. I mean, you're, this is historic. I'm not picking on Hawaii. This is just on tape. I believe it was SMU a few years ago that went out there and just ended up in a knockdown drag out brawl. Um, so Memphis, literally, yeah, literally, yeah, it was a huge fight. Um, I don't know if it was Hawaii or not. It may have been Fresno. I don't remember, but I know it wasn't Hawaii, but it was in the Hawaii Bowl. Yes. And so, you know, AAC teams, CUSA teams, they never get a shake in Hawaii. Um, And that's coming from me, the guy that hates complaining about officials more than anybody. So those two things Memphis is going to have to be careful of. And they really kind of both come back to the same thing. Memphis has got to keep their composure. Um, Because the problem is if you have kids that don't care, do they get a little more aggressive because they feel like there's no consequence for their actions? So they get a little more aggressive. Um, and that's, that's my fears. I don't want anybody to get hurt or there to be a fight. That's, those are the two things that, that worry me. I think Memphis is just better. I mean, I think they're stronger, faster. They're probably not bigger, but I just think we have better players. Um, I don't think we have the better coach, but I think we have a good enough coach to get the job done. We have the better, we have the more proven quarterback. Uh, we have the better running backs. I, you know, I, I just think Memphis is better. I've got this 35 17 Tigers. I, I, I just think, and, and I know, Brian, you said I think it's going to be exciting. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's just going to be a slog. And Memphis is just going to, because the uglier this game is, favors Memphis because we got better running game. So, you know, if this gets in the, in the mud a little bit, Unless we let Harai really run the ball and keep her offense off the field, that's that's a danger. Uh, but I, I just think Memphis is the better team here, um, and I think they win 35-17. So we all have Memphis winning for a change. How about that 
All the positive. And, 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 and honestly, this year, that's not been good. <laughs> no, no, that hasn't worked well. Uh, all the positive Pauls in one place. No negative Nancys here. All positive Paul. So that's going to do it for this week's show. We will be back next week. I don't know what day yet. We're going to talk about and discuss, discuss that. But uh, And then we're going to go monthly starting in January. So we'll stay tuned to social media. We'll have updates and all that. But uh, Before we go, kudos to uh, Coach Merriweather and the women's team. Absolutely. Starting, uh, they won today. Nine and two, I believe, on the yeah. season so far. Nine and two. Uh, our best start in, I look back, five seasons. And this was our best start in five seasons. And we talked about this in the beginning of the season. Like when we heard her talk, we're like, yep. no way is this the worst team in the AAC. These kids are going to run through a wall for her. And sure enough, now, as my buddy JR, Jim Ross says, business picks up next week as they travel down to uh, Tampa to take on uh, number 18 USF. So, but yeah, kudos, man. What a great start. Um, well, well, no matter what happens from here on, like this team has already exceeded expectations in some ways, and <clears throat> to me, I think you're seeing something at the in the women's program that we've we've really wanted to see for a long, long time, and that's excitement, right? Excitement surrounding the program. And if you have not been to a wins game, which sadly I haven't been for quite some time, and that is is on my list of things to do this season, um, is to go see the new Elmeron Fieldhouse. I, I absolutely go do it. I know that um, we've talked a lot about the men's program and we probably do a disservice to those ladies because they have actually played their asses off this year. Yeah, that they're, they're playing great. Uh, we have today's the 20th. This will come out hopefully tomorrow. If the booster slash flu shot doesn't uh, careen me into the abyss tomorrow. Uh, so we have what, 10 days left, Brian, on the 2021 special. Yes, it ends uh, midnight on the 31st. So that's twenty dollars and twenty one cents for an entire year of Tiger Use Sports. Use the promo Sports. code TSR twenty twenty one. Yep, that's it. Yep, TSR, and you have to use that promo code. I mean, if you don't, it's nine ninety nine a month, and that's still a bargain. But yeah, use the promo code, get an entire year for twenty dollars and twenty one cents. So that's going to do it for us. For the best co-co-host in all the land, Larry Marley, Brian Moss, this is John Maddox signing off, saying Happy Holidays, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.